Welcome to the Wild Intuitive, holistic, integrated witchcraft for busy people with busy lives. I'm your host, Rebecca Faith Pewterbaum, and I appreciate you so much for joining me for this podcast, where we will learn to reduce stress, achieve our dreams, and make every day magical. Welcome and blessed be. Welcome back to the Wild Intuitive Podcast. Um, I'm here once again with my best friend, Kelsey Catchell. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I am here. The, all of two people that yeah. listen to this podcast. Hello, the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last time Kelsey was on the pa- podcast, we were talking about what is real witchcraft, mm-hmm. um, stirring the pot and all of that. But today we're talking to Kelsey about their genealogy business. Yeah. You want to tell them about that? We're, <laughs> we're also talking about just ancestor veneration in general. Yes, yes. But That's I, why I was we're hoping talking you could about tell the... them about the business first. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. So Roots to Branches Genealogy is my little startup business. Um, I've been doing genealogy since I was born, came out doing it, I swear. <laughs> um, I remember being like... You just came out of the womb like, hey mom, you want to know about your great-great-grandma? Yeah, exactly. I just saw her. She's great. Um, I was like, I just remember being little and being like, who was your grandma to grandma? Like, you know, and she showed me pictures and it's been a whole thing ever since like even when I was a teen they were paying for me to have ancestry.com because I begged them so I could research um and so that's a big tool because I've used it for over 10 years now I can like go all the ins and outs of like how to like actually dig into the site not just like the hints that it gives you but like searching through all the archives and stuff um I just love it and um the prices are pretty reasonable um and I'm really flexible about you know what you want to find out and prices with those because some people have a specific question some people want to know this much information because they know this other amount of information already kind of a thing so lots of flexibility Sweet. Sweet. Flexibility. <laughs> and you did mine and now know all of my family secrets. It's so, true. You know. <laughs> um, so, like, my first question was, like, what led you to genealogy? Which I know you touched on, but I'm kind of interested, like, because you could have a lifelong interest in your family history and not decide to be a genealogist. So why did you eventually decide to actually do it as a business? So my aunt wanted me to do it for her husband wanted me to do his genealogy for his birthday and she was like and I'll pay you and I was like no (laughs) you are my aunt and he is my uncle and I'm just gonna do it and she was like no I'm paying you and you can't leave this car until I pay you (laughs) I see that stubbornness runs in the family yes and um so I did it and then she was impressed I guess um and she was like, you should just do, you should do this. This should, this should be what you do. And I was like, no. And she was like, why? And I'm like, I can't have what I want. <laughs> um, and it never even occurred to me that, like, that was, like, could be done. Like, I knew that people did it, but, like, 
it never occurred to me that like I could do it. And so she helped me a lot in setting up the business and, and coming up with all kinds of things and the name and um, the website, which uh, one of her friends helped me build. And, and is so gorgeous. Like anyone listening to this podcast right now should go check it out because it's amazing. Yes. It's so pretty. It's so, so aesthetic. I love it. I want to live in your website. I know. It's very beautiful. <laughs> she did a wonderful job. Um. I don't want to say her name wrong. I think it's Christy. I don't, I'm not sure what her last name is because I just emailed with her. But um, she did an amazing job. She's very nice, very sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I just remember looking at these pictures of these people that I couldn't I couldn't know. Like they were already mm-hmm. gone. Um, and there's a picture of her dad, my grandma's dad, in this like bowler hat. You know, like the, it kind of looks like a fedora, but it doesn't really have the, mm. like the, there's a little bit of a different shape. And he looks like a mafia dude. Like, and I just remember being like, so intrigued by this man in this picture, you know, and it's still there. I can still remember when I first saw it when I was like six. Um, and I still wish I knew him, you know, cause he, he had passed, him and his wife both passed away. Two years before I was born. Um, They did get to be great-grandparents, but those were for my older cousins. And they were pretty young, so they don't really remember them either. Um, But I have a lot of their letters. There was a point when they were young when he... It was during the Great Depression, so he had to go work somewhere and she was working somewhere. um, So they would have to write letters back and forth. And then in 1945, he got... um, he was enlisted and um, they would write back and forth from his base. Um, and then luckily for them, he ended up getting an injury at the base and they just yeah. discharged him because he couldn't fight and they didn't see a reason to keep him from, you know, they had two kids at that point. So they sent him back um, and they were so in love. Like, so like by 1945, they'd been married for almost 10 years and they were acting like they were dating, like in their letters. It was so cute. And they were just that way their whole lives. Like, it's very cute. I love something I love about you in genealogy is that once you start talking oh, about no. history, you just be like, you just like, you get in it. Like, you put yourself like right in yeah. the story and everything. And it's just, it's, I love it. It's yeah. great. It's like you're a time traveler. It's awesome. Yeah. I feel like a time traveler a lot of the time, you know, because you have to know not just what your family was doing, but what were the families around them doing because that was affecting them and what was globally happening. Yeah. You know. Um, so you're sort of almost like a historian in addition mm-hmm. to be, I mean, by necessity as mm-hmm. part of the genealogy mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. cool. Um, my cousin calls me a detective. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, my next question was about, like, how do you feel your spiritual beliefs and practices connect with genealogy? Because, I mean, not we won't bear all on the podcast necessarily, right. but you definitely have experiences with, like, spirits yeah. and everything. And... Um, yeah, most of them. Um, I know I've, I've um, I wondered this, too, when I first started out. You know, most of my family was Christian. Uh, 
we grandma's family were both immigrants. There was uh, her grandpa from Germany and his wife from Norway, and then her grandpa from Italy and her grandma from Austria. So they were all immigrants, and so they were Catholic and Lutheran. Those were, you know, uh, that was it. Then everybody was, yeah, you know. And some people are like, are they going to be pissed if I, like, try to talk to them? And maybe most of them are like, eh, whatever. Like, don't don't involve me in, like, right. these certain things, but you can talk to me. Like, they care about you because you're family. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they are, you know. And that's a whole thing about if they were good people or bad people, you know. Because sometimes... They were not great people. That's what's hard about genealogy. And I say it on my website. Like, I might find out things you didn't want to know. Or didn't even think was going to be there. Um, And I need to know, like, up front if you want me to tell you. Like, because, you know, you can find, oh, well, grandpa was married to somebody else. And he just deserted the family. Or, you know, all kinds of stuff. Or so-and-so's brother was a murderer. um, That just our family secrets get kept. Because... Um, yeah. Older generations didn't really, at least in my family especially, they didn't talk yeah. about things. Um, I found half-siblings of my great-grandparents that my grandparents didn't know about. They didn't know about these aunts and uncles. Right. Just because their mom never talked about them. So they were, they had pictures of these people they didn't know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is so-and-so. And they're like, excuse me? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, Wow. That would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And yeah. I mean, my husband's dad found out that he had a half-brother, but um, he had already passed away before oh. he could meet him. Yeah. And that happens, like, a lot more often than we would think. Uh, and that gets found out usually by DNA yeah. stuff. Um, so I was more talking about, like, where you feel like your genealogy might intersect with your spirituality. Like, as in, like, because, like I said, you know, you've had, just in our conversations, like, Mm -hmm. you've had experiences with spirits and Mm -hmm, ghosts mm -hmm. and stuff. And so, um, so I'm wondering, like, does that, do you think that your kind of ability to interact with that other side of the world Maybe does like do you feel like it influences your ge- like your interest in gene- genealogy? Yeah, or do you think- I th- I think so because I always feel like I know them. Like I feel like I know my great grandparents even though I never met them. Um, and that's partly because how real they were in their letters, and partly just because I also I know their kids so well, my grandma yeah. and their siblings. Um, but then I also feel like I've talked to them before. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I have a gr- a third a third great grandpa on my dad's side, who was not a good person, and I figured that out um pretty early on um that it was obviously was super abusive and not great um and then I found a picture of him and I panicked like it was bad like I thought I was gonna vomit oh, like wow. it, it's just him standing there. He's not but doing... like you got some sort of energetic yeah. read on it, I'm him. I'm like, oh, you're not. You're you were you weren't just like shitty for the time. Yeah, you were a bad person. Like yeah. Um. And so, like with ancestor veneration, like 
you know, you kind of have to heal your family's wounds. And so mm-hmm. you have to go like, eventually you have to deal with those people, even if right. it's just to be like, sit down and shut up. Like, well, you and know? see, that actually connects with my question about like, um, why, well, first of all, like just for the purposes of the organization of this podcast yeah. episode, um, there is a resurgence of resurgence yes. of interest in ancestor work in, in like the spiritual spaces, particularly witchcraft, and um, I, the, I think there's a lot of reasons why mm-hmm. there's a resurgence of ancestor work. And going I'm sure on, it but goes similarly with a resurgence of just practicing magic in general. In general, yeah, and so it's like. I kind of am interested in like why 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 it's important. Why getting into genealogy, digging into genealogy is important for ancestor work. Mhm. Um cuz I mean there's there's your general ancestors. You know what I mean? Like everybody has a certain amount of people that came before them that we'll never know about cuz they were before we did records and stuff. And then there's, you know, spiritual ancestors that believe similarly to you that are around. Um, but then there's the people that made you like, you know, if great grandpa had gone to this college instead of that college, you would be a different person just like, cause he wouldn't have met your great grandma. Yeah. And so like, not even just personality wise, but like genetically you would be different. Um, like everything we do doesn't just affect us it affects who comes after us and who's around us now right um you know mom had chances to be with other people before my dad um and she didn't and she I'm always like you should have just married the lifeguard mom (laughs) and she's like but I wouldn't have you I'm like I wouldn't know (laughs) I would still be around just like a little different it'd be fine (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and she's like, no, I like this. I like this you. I'm attached to this you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. um, I think it's really important just because all their choices were, one, influenced by these things that you learn in school about history. Um, and they all become real. It's not just this thing that happened a billion years ago. It was grandpa did this. Yeah. You know, and because he did this, you're here. And the world is like this, whether it's worse or better because of what they did. Like, um, my one of my great-grandparents was in the CCC programs uh, during the Great Depression. Um, I think they were planting trees is what he, he was doing. They were jobs. They were they, making up jobs so people could have money. And they were, like, usually, like, painting murals and building buildings and stuff like that. And then when World War II started, he signed up. He didn't get enlisted. He signed up. Wow. Yeah. Um, And, like, that matters because, you know, we will watch war movies and it matters because we care about those people, you know, because of the story. Well, you know, your grandpa has that story, too. Yeah. And it's directly tied to your story. In what ways? Well, one, because they raised your parents and your parents raised you. So how they raised your parents is going to directly influence how you're raised. But also, you know, grandma and I make the same facial expressions. 
That's so cute. Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, and her grandpa is definitely where the anxiety comes down through. Um, we can see it in his letters. It's like, oh, I've thought those thoughts before. <laughs> um, those anxious thoughts of, I don't think you love me anymore. Oh. Yeah. Because um, he was so far away because he was looking for jobs. Um, and he was really worried about his family because they were, it was the 20s and they were really poor. Um, and so he was looking everywhere in um, Washington for work. Um, so that he would just write notes back home to update her or to send her any money that he had made and stuff like that. But he was anxious the whole time and depressed. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's from you. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) And all of us have it. So I guess that connects with the intergenerational trauma thing Mm -hmm. you briefly touched on. Mm -hmm. Do you want to like talk a little bit about that? And, um, because... I think what I've noticed is that when people get interested in ancestor work, there's kind of this, um, and this is just like what I've observed is, uh, some people have a hard time believing that their ancestors would be supportive presences for them because Mm -hmm. maybe they had really abusive grandparents Mm -hmm. or parents or whoever, or maybe they did have really bad people in their line and, or even just people that maybe were just normal but were part of an oppressive religious system or something. Right. And so it's like people really – I think that probably stops a lot of people from yeah. looking into mm-hmm. ancestor work. And do you um, want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're dead so they don't necessarily have the same understanding of everything that they did when they were alive. Like, for instance, maybe they were – in a certain kind of religious situation that was really like oppressive. Um, but they're dead and that's not what happened. You know what I mean? And um, like what they believed would happen or they were wrong. And um, I think that lots of people are kind of like, oh, well, okay. And they can grow even when they're, they're dead and you can help them grow. Like healing part of the wounds is healing their wounds because they helped create yours. Um, even if it was just in your DNA from like the wounds, um, because, you know, usually it got copied to you because it got copied to them, like stuff happened to them, um, and understanding somebody's story, um, can show you how you cannot do it, like that, Mm -hmm. that it can stop with you. Right. Um, that you can see over and over again how it just poured into itself. Um, and you can choose that it won't anymore. You know, and some people tried in my family line, but they didn't have the resources or the understanding of like psychology or anything like that to really figure it out. It's really only my generation, our generation, and like my moms that are like really like, oh, okay. Like, we don't have to do this anymore. I can go to therapy. Like, therapy's real and helpful. You know, um, let's unpack this. That's a thing that I found that a lot of the older people I know don't want to unpack anything. Yeah. Because they've survived this long because they didn't unpack it. Yeah. You know, because they've been um, surviving. And the trauma is so big that they're terrified of what happens when they open that box. Um, 
but they're suffering because they didn't open the box. And then they give that box to their kids. It's like that myth of Pandora's box where, you know, she opened the box and all of the horrible things of the world, you know, mm-hmm. flew out. But then there was, like, hope at the bottom of it, yeah. too. So it's like, but you can't get to the hope until you, like, right. let all of the rest out. Mm-hmm. How do you think genealogy can help people who have, like, those some really heavy, like, intergenerational traumas? Like, or maybe, maybe they're even like, for example, I didn't realize that I had some intergenerational traumas until I started learning more about, you know, my grandparents and their Mm -hmm. grandparents and realizing that there's some stuff that keeps getting passed Yeah, exactly. It gives you a picture that it's bigger than you and it's bigger than what happened to you. It almost always is. It's always, you know, the stuff, the people that hurt me, well, somebody hurt them, um, Almost always. Um, and that doesn't make it okay, but it makes you go, oh, I see the picture. It's not just this scary thing that happened to me. It's a scary thing that happened to mom and that happened to grandma and that happened to great grandma. Um, and that they keep passing down the box of how they dealt with it, which could be silence or muscle through it or, you know, run. Yeah. You know, which are all things that can help you survive, but are not going to help you grow. And they're just trying to help their circle of knowledge continue. They're trying, you know, it's just me and my kid. I'll pass it to my kid because they can't see the picture. Yeah. They can't see the whole, well, you know, this is because of my great, 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 you know, dealt with this. And it's just come down to me now. Um and you will be surprised at the awfulness of your family, but also the tenderness of your family. Um, you know, the horrible things that people did and then the the times where people could have abandoned each other and they chose not to. So I like it's scary because there's bad people, but it's worth it because there was good people. Um, and maybe even like, Sometimes it's both. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. people are complicated. Like yeah, my, lots like my, of people. Like my mom, you know, she she says some some really nice things about her parents. But then there's other stuff, too, that's mm-hmm. like was stuff that was definitely not okay. And, right. Um, but it was just, it was, it, I, I, th- I think it's really, I, I think it's tempting when we look at like, the people who came before us, like in our family. And I think it's tempting to see them as two dimensional people, mm-hmm. as two dimensional creatures. And so yeah. as like fully fleshed out human beings with their mm-hmm. own stories. And, um, and I think that's, what's really cool about your genealogy is that you're, you're helping people see like their grandparents or their great uncles or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, as, as fully fleshed out people instead of as just, mm-hmm. Somebody who's dead now. You know, you know, and yeah, and it's like, well, well, who is he to me? Maybe nothing. Like, you might have never met him. Like, your great uncle, for for instance. But he was super important to your dad because it was his uncle or, you know. Yeah. Or he was, he was super important to your grandpa because it's his brother. You know, in their, in their realm of, like, whatever family line you're looking at, they were really important to each other. Even if they aren't, like, influencing you, they influenced who influenced you. 
Yeah, yeah, it's like they do influence you. It's just it's just indirect. It's just indirect. Is all. It's like the whole, um, you know, like on a spider web, how if you touch one end of the spider web, like the other end is going to mm-hmm. kind of shake too kind of thing. Yeah. And it all affects each other. Definitely. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, you can look at uh, like a census, um, which if you don't know what the census is, is um, every 10 years the government – like does a population check and they ask you certain questions about yourself and it's different every year. Um, They started in 1790 and they just listed the head of the household's name and then how many people were in each like age range, like a white woman ages 35 to 45, they'd put a tick like the, not their name. It's just all the kids and then all the, you know, they're indentured servants or they're slaves. They're just the statistical so, stuff. Yes. Um, but by the 1850s, they're listing who everybody is to each other and what jobs they're doing. Right. And everybody's named. Um, so it's like, you know, this is the head of the household and then this is his son and his son's a mason and this is his nephew and his nephew's a, uh, you know, a chicken cooper and stuff like that. And so... Um, you get a sense of like, well, this is who, this was their home and this was who was in the home and then this is what they were doing. So this is probably what kind of socioeconomic situation they were in and their neighbors were in. And that tells me, you know, what their life was like because, you know, if they're a farmer, they have, you know, not very many neighbors. They live in a small town. It's a very close knit. Everybody knows about everybody's business um, and they're all very supportive of each other, but also you have to stay in line. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you see it in the papers, in the newspapers, um, because they'll be like, oh, so-and-so did this today. Like, cause there wasn't news in Oklahoma. Right. You know, so so-and-so did this and. Almost gossipy. Gossipy. Yeah. Yeah. Or so even if it's just so-and-so went shopping today, like that's interesting and cool to know. It's not, but okay. Like, you know, <laughs> um. And so it gives you, even though it's just numbers, when you first look at the census, um, you know, as the censuses go on, it says, when were you first married? And then you can realize, oh, somebody was married before because they didn't marry this guy until they were in their 30s. But they say their first marriage was when they were 19. Um, Or it'll ask women, how many children have you had and how many children do you still have? And then you learn, oh, so she had other kids and they're gone and they were, we, um, it's hard if a kid is born in between censuses, for instance, they're born in 1865 and they die in 1867. They're not on record. Like they weren't named in either census because they weren't born yet. And then they were dead before the next one. Right. Um, and the only like clue you might even have that they existed is that she lived long enough for the 1910 census when they would ask her that question and she would say, well, I've had five kids, but I only have four now. And you'd be like, oh, so sometime when she was having kids, somebody has gone. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, until the 1900s, we didn't really have things like death certificates and things like that. It wasn't. And especially if you were in the West, as the West got pushed and pushed and pushed farther, there weren't, you know, even, like, government yet. 
like yeah. in the places. Um, like the postal service hadn't gotten there yet. And so it could be the 1920s and there's no death certificates because they just made the state. Yeah. Um, and it, it all kind of just gets lost in the, in the holes. Um, unless you're really digging, for instance, with my, my mom's dad's side, there were two girls. There's a girl and a boy, and then there were two girls in the middle, and then a boy and a boy. And I can find nothing about them except for the, the two censuses they were in. That's it. Wow. And I was like, well, at first I was like, well, they, they, the next census would be when they were probably married. But I could never find any marriage information, not even in an index. There was nothing about it. And so I was like, well, they must have died. Oh, wow. Um, but I didn't know. I couldn't find a death certificate or anything because they were in Dakota before it was North and South Dakota. It was oh, just Dakota. Okay. And um, it was new. Um, like a newly a thing. Um, but when I was looking at the newspapers, because they were an important or family, they were like one of the first families there. Um, it was actually really sad. The dad, so the... The older girl of the middle girls got appendicitis and died. And then like right after or like a couple years later, the dad gets like a tumor in his head is what they think ended up happening. And he dies. Yeah. And then right after the other middle girl gets like um, the flu and dies. And so they just it just knocks out half the family. Wow. Um, And but like. It's, it's, it's like, oh, okay, so that's the story. Yeah. Like, that's what grandpa's dad went through as yeah. a young boy. He lost all these people, you know. Um, Which is traumatizing. Yes. It, for, in the best of circumstances. Right. And then it's also like, I see you and I hear you. Like, you're, you've been witnessed. I see what happened to you. Like, and like, you're remembered. It's almost like you're, you're, you're digging up a story that's been buried. Right. And it's like... It's like, it, it, it's not just a story. It's a really deep, like, I'm wanting to say it's a deep spiritual wound, like, mm-hmm. in the soul of the very family. And mm-hmm. by, because, because you're doing this digging, it's like you're bringing this wound to light so that it can finally be healed. So it's almost like you're, you're... <laughs> It's like, this is the way, like, my brain is what, my brain is wanting to phrase it as it's like, it's like you're a therapist for the, the, The like, the the soul of the family, (laughs) you know, like, you're, you're a therapist for the dead, sort of, and you're, and you're, and and disguised as a, as a genealogist. Right. You know. Um, I mean, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure it did greatly affect, you know. Their family. I'm going to make that the title of this podcast, Therapist for the Dead. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, of course, I never heard about it because my grandpa's so disconnected from his family because of his situation, which was um, adoption multiple times within the family. Um, And he wasn't really, like, owned by his, like, like, no one ever, like, claimed him about it. Like, his mom was his biological mom. Was very much like, I have, like, I guess I have two kids. Like, everyone knew about his sister, and everyone was like, oh, she had a son? 
about my grandpa. Yeah. Where, and then his dad was like, yeah, I have another kid, but like they weren't close. He had had a whole nother family and those, that was his family. Um, and so then that's part of my trauma is abandonment. Yeah. You know, you know, even though my grandpa is an extremely strong person and he survived and he owes that to the people that eventually adopted him forever, which was his best friend's family. Um, and he owes it to the boys club, which is the boys and girls club now, but it was just the boys club then. And he threw his whole entire life into the boys club because he felt like they saved his and he's 83 and he's still doing his job because, because no one can replace my grandpa. He's too good at it. (laughs) But even though he's strong, there's still that. Yeah. There's now an ancestral wound of abandonment running through your family. Yeah. It was like you're already, like, sensitive to it. Yeah. And then if it happens, then it's even worse. Right. Because now you have two instead of just one. The thing that happened to you and then the thing that's been happening in your family for a long time. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you'll tend to react the same way that other family members reacted. Because, one, that's how you've seen people Mm -hmm. react. And two, it's just kind of like, if you have similar personalities, this is kind of automatic. And no one's going to question it because, that's, well, that's just how we react. But that might not be the best way to react. It might yeah. not be the most helpful like, way. Like, it might not be the way you react if you're, like, in your right mind and yeah. really being conscious of, yeah. of how you're feeling. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, I'm like, I'm drawing lines, like, in my own knowledge <laughs> of my family now. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's literally like this huge puzzle. It's really interesting because it's uh, it's really interesting about how, about what you're saying, about how, uh, like, you're already sensitive to a particular type of 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 trauma. And so when it happens to you, you, like take it even more personally than right. maybe you otherwise would. It just that's really fascinating to me because it's like, um, it 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 oh gosh, how do I articulate what's in my head? I, it's like it, it makes sense to me because I think about things that really hit me hard, like mm-hmm. emotionally. Um, things that uh, like won't even register on some other people's radar, right. you know, and then and then the opposite too, where some right. things that hit other people really hard won't even register on my right. radar. It's I almost want to say it's like you you your brain somewhere subconsciously um, already has the assumption that what the wound teaches is true, like abandonment, like that you will be abandoned, like you already have this like core belief. From your family, just generationally. Right. And then when you are abandoned, it's like, see, I told you so. It's like an activation yeah. of it. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's in your DNA, but it's like it's like a dormant strand of DNA right. or something. And then the trauma right. in your life and triggers it. So away. it's not just, yeah, I have this trauma now, but it's also like it's backing up the trauma that was already there. Right. And, like, and saying you were right to believe that you aren't safe or you aren't loved or, you know. Almost like a, it's like a belief bias, but, mm-hmm. but ancestral. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like, I feel like the galaxy brain <laughs> meme right now a little bit. Like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> the first time I ever even started to touch it was when I heard family stories about the, the guy that freaks me out when I look at his picture. 
And then I could kind of draw little lines from his kids to what happens to their kids and all the way down to me, like with emotional abuse, especially, but like you can see like alcoholism go wow. down it or, um, yeah, especially like, like alcohol, like a lot, like, or people that suddenly just snap for no reason, no reason, quote unquote. Right. Um, people that like can't take it and does it disappear? Just peace out, yeah. you know, because sometimes they were gay, you know. Yeah. Sometimes they just didn't want to do what the family wanted them to do. Right. Um, and in that kind of situation, that was literally like, I guess I'll go west and never see you again. Yeah. Like, um, but, like, that's when I first was, like, maybe there's, like, maybe the fact that that my so-and-so great-grandpa, you know, because I have no idea how his father was. I know who he is, but I don't know anything, like, personally about him. Um, and I, it makes me wonder, like, you know, like, you chose, as far as I can tell, to be like this. And that was in, you know, early, you know, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And it's still affecting people now. Like, what you chose to do. Wow. Like, you know, just because it went from him to him to him, you know, down to my dad to me. Right. You know, and I'm like, you know, how even just the non-emotional attachment, Mm -hmm. that's all from them. You know, how they parented with their non-attachment is then how their kids parented their kids, whether they were, some of them were actively trying not to be like him, but they also weren't in a situation to know how to be any different right because there was still no psychology knowledge in the middle of nowhere dust bowl you know the great depression like stuff happening that's crazy and it it definitely begs the question of like if if the actions of our great great grandparents are can uh, like affect how we've lived our lives and Mm -hmm. how we interact with our relationships and stuff it's like what choices are we making mm-hmm. that may affect the generations that come mm-hmm. after us? If there are generations after us. There... But that's an episode for another day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, 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 it's almost like the butterfly effect, you know? But, yeah. But in, in, in intergenerational. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, say someone wants to get into ancestor work. Mm-hmm. Where do you think they should start? Uh, other than, of course, hiring you <laughs> to be their genealogist. Yeah. That's the first step. Yeah, What's I the am. second one? <laughs> I, it depends, you know, how deep you want to go. Um, I would say start talking to your parents if you have a good, you know, if you're able to talk to them. Talk to them. Talk to your grandparents, aunts and uncles find the oldest person in your family alive and just show any interest and they will have so much to say to you that you didn't know. You know, they'll start telling you about, well, my parents, which could be your great, great grandparents did this and this and this. And then you'll suddenly be like, but we do this and this and this. Like it's, and they're like, yeah, but like you always just thought your family just did that for some reason. Well, that's the reason. Um, that's where to start is start asking questions and to start 
like, you know, because well, we don't really pay attention to old people anyway. Right. So any attention is usually, like, happily accepted. But, like, a question about, like, them and their families. Yeah. Well, of course they want to talk about that, especially yeah. with you. Um, and there's, there's lots of, um, like, questionnaire kind of things to help you figure out what to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, you can learn really interesting things like, you know, what's your full name and why were you named that? Right. That's um, a good one. Yeah. And I even learned recently that my grandpa was named after one of my, his dad's World War II buddies. And I didn't know that until he wow. told me. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. What if someone wants to like, um, connect with their ancestors, like in more of a spiritual way, like in addition to actually, mm-hmm. actually learning about them and their stories? It's similar, I feel like, to, accepting spirits like around you um you know it's similar um ritual and stuff like that but you're really tugging through your your line you're tugging through you into the dead um like instead of trying to connect with the spirit that like you don't know that just happens to be hanging right. around you you're right. trying to connect to the ones that are already attached to you yeah you're you're tugging at your family's you know, bell kind of a thing. Um, and if you know their names and who they were, they should still be pretty recognizable to you. Yeah. Like energetically. I I feel that because I feel, um, I think my first time really, really consciously, like spiritually connecting with ancestors Um uh, I mean, I've, I've been practicing for 13 years, but this was the first time I really, like, consciously sat down mm-hmm. to, like, specifically connect with my my beloved dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, like, it was such a powerful experience. And I, I did, like, I felt that, like, I felt like I was surrounded by ancestors, uh, by my literal, like, biological ancestors, but, like, I only knew the names and faces of, like, a few of them, but I felt the others. Mm -hmm. I couldn't discern any details, but it was, like, I knew them, and I knew that they were there, and it was just, it was such a crazy, powerful Mm -hmm. feeling. It was, and it was only a moment, really. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, technically speaking, it wasn't very long, but Mm -hmm. it was so powerful, and yeah, it was crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think, actually, on that note, see, I did that, on Samhain, which is mm-hmm. the whole, like, the veil between the worlds right. is thin and everything. Do you think someone has to wait for no. a night like that? No, because I don't really believe in the veil. I think that the dead are just here. They're just around, like, all <laughs> the time. That's why when you can see them, it's like, that's why it's like, people are like, yeah, I wish I didn't see them. Yeah, because they're, they're there all the time. So do you think that they don't move on? or? Well, no, I think... Personally, I think that their imprint is around. That it's not necessarily like a hundred percent them. Like that they are like their whole soul is not just here, but their imprint is here, and they can still like interact with you. Um, I also believe that all the worlds are kind of connected, like with um, like interdimensional stuff. So I think them being dead they might just be alive somewhere else and they're interacting with you that way but I don't think there's like 
a time of year where you're especially like close to them. I think it's that's just when the festival of the dead is. Right. Um but and that's where a lot of that energy comes from to make it easier. But like you can always reach out and they're always going to be there. They're always like, you know, they're there to interact with, not just on certain days. I was listening to the Basic Witches podcast today. Mm-hmm. I love that podcast. It's such a good one. <laughs> um, but they were interviewing uh, this, um, I I can't remember what she called herself, but she, like, she, she, they kind of had this joke where they were like, oh, did you bring any divination? And she's like, I am the divination. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But she was talking about, um, about like spirit guides and ascended masters and mm-hmm. ancestors and stuff. And she, she was talking about how, uh, like, like dead loved ones become like part of your team. Like she, yeah. that's what she calls like the, the, the spirits that are mm-hmm. spiritually attached to us and stuff is it's, it's our team. Yeah. And she, yeah. And then they started talking about soccer and the, the yeah, they got a little a, lost. But a it's, it's, and that's why you need to kill other family members in your family. So you have a full football team. Jesus. <laughs> God. God. Oh. That went from zero to 60 really fast. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. I'm drinking water now. (laughs) Need a break. Um, Yeah. What's your favorite thing about what you do? There's a feeling when you, we call them brick walls, when you can't figure something out. And that could just be when someone died or literally, who are their parents and where did they come from? Um, and we joke about, like, we're beating our head against a wall, a brick wall that we can't get through to the answer. Um, and the feeling you get when all of a sudden the wall just isn't there. Like, the answer is just in front of you because you, you know, found it because you've been looking for it for 10 years and you just finally got to it. It's like you just start like crying because oh, like wow. like I like it's almost like I found you. Like it's not just I found this number that doesn't mean anything. It's like oh now you're like I can close your book now. Like we know of oh, this. That just like yeah. gave me chills. Yeah. Wow. Um that's cool. Yeah. That's right. You keep saying we. Tell me about the genealogy community. Yeah. Um they're great. <laughs> um <laughs> There's people, so there's no, like, school that you go to. It's not like that. Most of us are self-taught. Similarly, most of them are older than me. Um, I would say they're, like, in their 50s to, like, 70s is what I want to say most of them are. And that's because I think a lot of the time somebody dies when they're that age, like somebody much older than them, and they realize that they don't have access to them anymore, and they don't have access to all the things they could have told them. Um. And then they start thinking about, well, what can I, what am I going to leave for my kids? Right. And then they start trying to answer all these questions for the people that are going to come after them. So it's like digging up the past in order to, like, figure out a legacy. Yeah. Um, and then for me, it's just always been like something that's been really, really important to me. Um, and there's other people that are like that too, that are, that are younger. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, you are the last one in a lot of cases of 
that generation close to this person that's died. Because each per- each generation, that's a generation farther away. There's mysteries that we have in our family that I was talking with the generation that's in their 80s that, like, we only have, like, this amount of time before your generation's gone and you were the ones that knew the people that were involved. Wow. You know, so, like, that last bit of, like, connection is gone. It makes me think about that movie Coco, mm-hmm. about how the, the whole, like, the final death when yeah. people who knew you in life die mm-hmm. and there's no one left to remember you. Right. Um, Crazy. Yeah. They, yeah, they, um, they're the only ones that have any idea who these people even were. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and they're always, almost, like, almost always happy to answer. Share. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I was explaining to one of, I, you know, she's a, she's a cousin, a faraway cousin, maybe like a second cousin or a third cousin. Um... How, like, yeah, this stuff is really hard to talk about, you know, certain things that have happened and, like, but, like, the truth is more important. Like, it's more important to know than to just to let it die without anyone knowing the truth. Like, that's what's more important. And she said that she really appreciated that, that it will get passed on the answer kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I do know some people that are very, like... It's their information. Right. Um, and nobody else can know. And I don't really understand. They don't want to share. They're very private. They don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, well, then is it just going to die with you? And yep. <laughs> That's so interesting. Because yeah. I feel like there's, there, there's stuff like that in my family, yeah. as you know. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. you know, and stuff that like my parents are like, no, like no one can know. Yeah. And, but then me, I'm just like, why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Well, like, yeah, and they're like, well, like, the truth is the truth. I they're mean, like, well, this was like, my grandpa. I'm like, he's super dead. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like, and he doesn't care. I talked to him. He doesn't care. They are. They are my family's. <laughs> I talked to that him. He he doesn't care. He's like, dead he's now. Dead. Like, <laughs> he's like, can't hurt me uh, now. now. We're really getting into the spirit I know, stuff. Like, <laughs> listen, I chatted with him while I was doing your tree. He's cool. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, like he's like I'm super dead, and it doesn't affect me anymore. <laughs> Hey, maybe you should like add some spirit work into your website. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, hey, do you want to contact the people in your tree? Give me a call. I got a Ouija board. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to pull a card to end the episode with? Yeah. I'm trying to use my Whitesmith um, deck more often. Um, because I've always just done oracle cards, and right, I want to actually be able to read tarot cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If I can remember what they mean yeah, without right? looking. I know I, there's some of them that I know really well, and some of them I'm like, don't know what you are. All right. You're so good at shuffling, and I'm not. <laughs> I have to have, like, a perfectly flat surface. Like, I have to be, like, in the right position because I have small hands. My hands are pretty small, too, but not as small as yours. No. This is true. Mine are small and chubby. They're like little Look, I can do it against my tummy. I'm so upset. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me think of you trying to. Oh no! What are you gonna expose on my podcast? You no, know, you... 
Okay, you, we got one that just jumped out of the deck. Oh, and another one. You trying right. to do an Instagram thing, and in the silence, I'm just like, so I was there. Oh, yeah, no, 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 I know <laughs> what you're And I make a about. huge joke in the silence. All right, we got, we got three that wanted to come okay, out. Okay, who wants to talk? Right. Um, okay, so this deck that I have uh, is the Ethereal Village. Village. <laughs> Ethereal Visions Illuminated Tarot Deck. And this deck actually has two, like, bonus Major Arcana cards. Okay. Which is kind of cool. And uh, the first one that kind of came out... This is the one that, like, straight up popped out. And then these two just kind of wanted mm -hmm. to come out. So is the first... The Artist? Yes, The Artist. Um, ast Astrological Correspondence Ophiuchus. I feel like I've heard of this Ophiuchus. Let me see the constellation. word. Constellation. It's like a thing in the astrology. Like, there's some sort of, like, astrology Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the words. Yeah. The artist is the vessel of creation. This card signifies mankind and shows when you need to open to the knowledge that is available if you stop and set aside the distractions of the human condition and listen. Well, F you too. Um, <laughs> because I've been getting that message so many times in so many ways. Um, the past week, just that whole like, you know, in it really like go within type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's stop, Pisces stop. season, babe. Yeah, well, and it's also like I I keep getting messages about like not seeking like external advice and validation and like mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. paying more attention to what's going on like inside. Interesting that we got two pentacles. Yeah, right. Very material. Which, which the like, artist is so Pisces, but then it's like this is almost like the op like Cancer, <laughs> not no, Cancer, Capricorn, Capricorn. Yeah, so it's almost like this need for like a gro grounding, like within right the, to not the, just run Pisces with it energy. Yeah, like or like running with it, but like making sure your feet are on the ground too. Yeah, this looks like I mean, just looking. This is obviously like work to be done. Oh, by the way, the cards are five of pentacles and seven of pentacles. And I'm pointing to seven of pentacles and kind of saying there's work to be done. Like there's fruits to be got, to be taken because it's a man with a with a hoe. Yeah. And then there's these plants that, that is, yeah, that all yeah. has the pentacles on it. And then the five of pentacles. I mean, it's a very nurturing card. I mean, it's yeah, like the person holding. I want to holding... say that five of pentacles is a sad card, but that might just be the six of pentacles. Well, this. I get them confused. This, just this, I mean, this little little book here just has like a couple of keywords, which is isolation, poverty, poor health, insecurity. Um, For the five? Yeah. Yeah, see, it's a um, sad card. Yeah, but like. <laughs> It almost like, like, but just looking at the card, it looks comforting to me. Like, even though difficult things are happening, like, we can still, um, like, support each other and hold on to each other. Like, yeah. maybe even if, almost, like, it almost, I know I'm just going by, like, the imagery here, but it almost feels like, um, you may feel isolated, but, but there is support there if you're right. willing to reach out type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um... This is such a pretty deck. I love how it shiny it is. I should look at the book meaning of pentacle of the seven of pentacles and see if you're right. Yeah, profit, reward, investment, growth. So, oh gosh, like kind of opposite. So we've got so we've got like slowing down and setting aside distractions. Listen, you know, listening within, being creative, 
feeling isolated and then rewards. You could even, I feel like could even like interpret this as part of going within is sort of having this sense of isolation because that inner work does feel very lonely. Mm -hmm. It feels isolating because you're, no, no one can really understand what's going on inside of mm -hmm. you. You got five more minutes. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. We're, we're, we're getting it through here. Yeah. So yeah, this is very much telling, I feel like this is telling me and anyone listening to this, because this is kind of a general reading for anybody who happens to be listening to this, like you're feeling the urge to go within now do it like mm -hmm. follow that and if you feel isolated well that's that's part of this inward journey of exploring these parts of yourself inside of you like um and but if you push through that and you 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 know you make sure that you have your support system and that you're expressing these internal these intuitive and um urges and stuff if you're expressing them creatively just like an artist would um no matter the hardship that goes along with it then you are going to see rewards you're going to see mm -hmm. you're going to see um the fruits of your of your emotional labor so to speak um mm -hmm. which is just really really beautiful i feel like this is a really comforting reading you know like you may feel isolated in your emotional and creative journey but it's going to work out yeah it's going to go really well yeah so okay we only have like we're, at, we're almost at the, at the max recording time so thank you all for listening um if you want to connect with kelsey and get your tree done which you totally should and also tell all your friends because um kelsey's awesome um kelsey has done my family tree and it's just insane the amount of information that they are <laughs> able to uncover it's crazy and it's just it's so illuminating and just their ability to articulate the Aww. stories of your family members is just really really beautiful so um check them out at uh roots to branches genealogy.net and that's the word two not the number two yeah the word the word two so roots t-o <laughs> branches genealogy.net mm -hmm. and it's got like the best tagline ever all roots lead to you yeah i love we're it. on the website we are on instagram and we are on facebook perfect perfection follow all of them and you know shoot them an email and yeah. hire them and stuff because they're great and they're my best friends so yeah <laughs> exactly this is not a paid advertisement <laughs> this is an advertisement of the heart <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you all so much for listening much love much love thank you for having us <laughs>